Hey, welcome to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, want to uh, welcome everybody. We've got some great guests uh, from uh, Goods Not Guns and from Rhode Island Avenue Main Street business owner Dave Hux. Uh, first, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Department of Housing and Community Development and the Department of Small Local Business Development. They are helping to make these episodes possible. Um, so like I said, I'm going to be talking with uh, Dari and Aliza Yudkoff from Goods Not Guns. Uh, but first, we're going to head over to Michelle Yancey. She's actually uh, on site today with Rhode Island Avenue business owner Dave Hux. Michelle, you there? Hey, thanks, Kyle. As you said, I'm here today on site with Dave A. Hux, founder of Mogul Elite Couture Fashions. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, tell us about Mogul Elite. What is Mogul Elite Couture? Uh, Mogul, Mogul Elite Couture is a fashion line. It's a clothing line that I started several years back. Um, I've been involved in the clothing business for over 10 years in the fashion business. Um, Mogul Elite basically started about out of one of my clothing lines about two years ago. And um, I came up with the idea because a friend of mine used to always call me the mogul because he felt like, hey, you do a lot of stuff, you here, you there. So he just always used to say, Dave Hux, the mogul. So I, one day um, I was about to sort of get out of the clothing business. I was out of the clothing business for like 10 years from my previous fashion line. And what I did is I saw the painting that he painted, a friend of mine named Demont Picasso, and he had on the painting the mogul, the creator. So I was like, oh, man, I want to start this mogul. And I started putting concepts and ideas together, and about probably about three months later, I sprung it on people. I didn't really like the mogul, so uh, I went to a hotel, and I seen the word elite, and that's how mogul elite was born. I seen it had elite service, and I said, that's me. The lady said, yeah. And then from that moment on, I started creating mobile elite fashions, uh, clothing, uh, ski suits, uh, all types of different apparel. So you said you've been doing this for about 10 years, mobile elite fashion? No, I've been doing mo I've been in the fashion business for over, I say, 10 or 12 years. Okay. Mogul elite fashions was created two, maybe about two and a half years ago. Okay. And how did you get into the fashion business? Um, a brother of mine started selling clothes out of the trunk of the, you know, he was selling um, a fashion line called uh, Muhammad Sport. And they, all my family has always been fashionable. So I sort of followed him and was selling his t-shirts. And then I created a clothing line out of my trunk in 1998 called Ghetto Hills Technology. And that's what got me into the fashion world. I see. So what types of products do you design? Um, I design uh, t-shirts, uh, jeans, hats. Um, I have a whole line of uh, ski jackets and uh, the pants, the, the Gore-Tex type material, a lot of that stuff. A lot of things in that same, in the, in the basis of uh, fashion in those areas. So are the items custom or ready to wear or do you have both? I was in your well, shop I, and it yeah, seemed I, like you had a few items that yes, were already there. I, had, I have mostly, I do the custom work myself. I also manufacture. I have the machines and stuff like that so I make a lot of my stuff. Some of, them, some of the items 
I have uh, shipped from overseas in, you know, out of the country, uh, Vancouver, uh, Canada, and then I have them here, and then I, I basically, uh, you know, do the manufacturing for Mogul Elite. Okay, do you have a best-selling product out of the things that you have? I would say, I would say my jackets, hands down, have, have to be one of the, the, the most trending products I have. After that would be my t-shirts, because I have so many different designs. Like the average designer, if they come out and they do t-shirts, they might do a f several t-shirts, a little bit of t-shirts for a couple of months, and then they put out. A lot of people say sometimes I might saturate, but I have so many t-shirts and so many ideas, I just keep putting them out. And you have uh, more than one design, of course. Hundreds, and, and, uh, hundreds of designs. Do you make custom things? Yes, I am a, a design consultant as well. I have a business called DH Designs and Consultants where I, uh, I do design consultants for up-and-coming clothing lines and also people that are starting their own business and they need letterheads, designs, and creations, and they don't really have that, the full idea of how it's done. Is that done on site? Yes, that's okay. done through me, through appointment only. Okay, and how about family reunion t-shirts, corporate yes. t-shirts, things like that? Yes, that's, that, that right that's there is done. That. Yes, that's done under the actual business where the designs and graphics are being done. And I, so that's separate from Mogul Elite? Yes, Couture. Mogul Elite is a clothing fashion line. DH Designs and Graphics is my graphic company. I've actually been doing graphics for over 17 years. And I've also uh, been uh, responsible for some of the biggest clothing lines that have came out of DC. I was like the man behind the music for a lot of the clothing lines that was doing their own thing out of the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And I designed for people in the New York area, the Philadelphia area, the North Carolina area, really all over the East Coast. Whoever get in touch with me or call me or know me through other people, through referrals, um, I design for them as well. Is there a minimum to order, like if someone um, wanted to order t-shirts for their real estate business? Um, you can get as, you, my minimum is 12. We might do six for up and coming companies. Um, a lot of the, the people that want to deal with me hands-on when it comes to the design consultant and stuff like that, they have to get an appointment and I would deal with them. I have people who work for me and with me who will assist people with family reunions and people that's coming to get walk-ups or rest in peace. So there are other people like that, that. that can work, uh, that work for you so they don't have to go, come to you specifically? No, okay. no, not anymore because I'm the just too busy. The staff has grown. Yes, and I'm too busy to really, you know, sit down and deal with it on that end. I have packages that I, that I offer people who are starting out their businesses. The packages might range from anywhere from $500 to $5,000 to $10,000. It's just what the person can afford to get. Okay. Well, I was looking on your website and I saw something that said design functionality construction meets fashion. What does that mean? Um, it means that when a lot of the things that I have, the shirts, the jackets, and the different things, they are made differently than a lot of the other things, uh, jackets and different things are made out of here. I might have a jacket that have, that you have a secret hidden pocket where you can put your iPhone, you know, hook it to your, your, your MP3, or it might be a shirt made that might have zippers on it and different, um, you know, different um, pieces that just makes it a little bit different. You know, the shirt is probably made with 
cotton and polyester where it's a stretch nice fit blend. shirt, mm -hmm. a nice blend because these days people want shirts to fit them yes. and they want stuff that has a quality fit to it. Right. I mean, I'm still, a lot of the things that I have, they're probably not going to go to the exact, you know, top level of where I'm going at. I just have them in the mix now because, you know, when you get that big in the clothing and fashion, you they have what you call skews and you don't want to have you know those particular skews with things that you're not going to be able to sell right so you know and then it's very expensive when you're talking about doing jeans and different things like that so my whole focus right now um is really um t-shirts hats um just the lighter stuff coming into the fashion world so uh does your work reflect your personal taste or do you design for what is currently trendy or do you try no, to do I, both no, sometimes I do things that are trendy, but I stand alone in the design world. Even though my designs might look similar to high-end fashions, mm -hmm. such as Boss, um, Armani Exchange, um, you know, Ralph Lauren and things like that, because those I consider were mentors for me because I follow the trends. I mean, I follow the um, leaders, you know, when I want to find out about stuff. But a lot of my designs, now when people see my stuff, they be like, you know, Man, I haven't saw any designs that really look like this. It has a reminder feel to it, but the designs, man, you know, coming out of D.C., I've never seen a D.C. designer design the stuff like you design because your stuff look like it should be right there sitting in the store beside the high-end top stuff. So which fashion designer would you say has influenced you most? I, I, would, I would have to say FUBU, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Okay. Flu, um, you know, um, they, if I... It, they were very influential to me because they were African-American uh, brothers who came out of New York mm -hmm. who started a clothing line on the corner, you know, selling T-shirts out their trunk, selling hats. And I was like, this, you know, four black guys just put together a clothing line. And now Damien John, which is one of my mentors, I have his book. My book was signed by him. You know, he's a multi like billionaire he, his company grown to two or three billion dollars right it's the whole fubu infrastructure everything under it and he didn't just stop at fubu he owned kuji willie esco and it's just on and on and nice it's, it's like so many different names and brands that uh fell under his roof once he was able to obtain uh fubu and take it worldwide so do you have any advice for any other aspiring fashion designers or moguls well, the advice that I would have is, you know, um, you know, it might sound cliche, but I would say you have to put all your full effort in to something that you believe. Never let anyone tell you that it can't be done. It can be done, but you have to show initiative and you have to be willing to put in uh, 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 things that other people wouldn't put in. And you have to take the risk that other people just won't take. But you have to be strong. You got to be strong-minded. You have to focus on one thing, and you put your mind in that bullseye on that one thing, and you just keep moving forward, and don't ever let anybody turn you turn you back from it. I've come a long way from sitting in this office where I'm sitting right now to even be where I'm at today. But I look and I think about a lot of times I would have given up because it was raining too hard. Um, the finances went away. Uh, the doors were being shut. I was hearing too many no's. I had debt over here and debt over there. The credit was shot through the roof. It was just things that 
automatically you would give up. But first and foremost, you just got to keep God first. Whatever divine force that you celebrate as your as it, that's divine for you, I would say keep God first, and the rest will follow. Okay. So why did you sh set up shop on uh, Rhode Island Avenue? Are you from the neighborhood? Yes. Well, I set up shop on Rhode Island Avenue because I was at the farmer's market in D.C. on 4th Street for eight years. I was in Maryland on Kenilworth Avenue for four years. And um, I was partnered with a Korean partner of mine. And another Korean friend I knew named Mr. Wong told me to come to D.C. He have a small building. I, he said, I need your help. And I said, why is that? He said, because there's a guy over here and he's, he's doing a lot of stuff in the graphic world. You would be phenomenal. We need you over here. I stayed there eight years. In the process of eight years, everything fell through. Mr. Wong's wife got sick. He had to go back to Korea. And um, I went home. I had a house on Hamlin Street. And I was basically doing my work and everything out of my basement. Now, that's the time when you really want, when you could and should probably give up because I really lost everything and I remember Mr. Wong telling me one day when he was kind of upset with me he said if you lose this business here your life is over and I told him as soon as he told me that I said thank you he said why you say thank you I said because you just gave me the motivation to continue, and, on. And to, continue on and to do what yeah. I needed to do I said I appreciate you he said you're crazy I said yes and I left and I went home for a year and a half and I did it out of my basement but I was in my basement like I was in a corporate office. I came up on Rhode Island Avenue and I seen a small place. And I got the small place. I asked the guy, could I get it? Ironically, the small place had an embroidery machine, two heat press machines and a hat press that was already in the room with sheets over it. And I was like, what is this stuff? He said, um, a guy left it here. It's mine now. I really don't know what to do with it. Could you use it? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm not going to give it to you. I'll let you use it. So I had an embroidery machine, heat press machines, everything starting back over in a small room, no bigger than 500 square feet on Rhode Island. And what Not I, this building. No, not this building. Okay. Um, I would ride by here. And also, I grew up in Washington. I grew up on Rhode Island. I went to uh, Taft and I went to Lucy D. Slow School, right. all in the area. And I was riding down Rhode Island Avenue and I saw this place and I was like, Man, this is a, that's a big place. I was like, it's got for rent on it. So when I came, I wanted the bottom level where I'm at now, but it was being rented by a cricket store. And the guy said, oh, I got I one that. space yeah. upstairs. He mm -hmm. said, I'll give you that spot. So he gave me the spot upstairs. I was faithful. I was humble. And I was patient. And as everybody that was already here started leaving out of this building, I would go to each Every time a room became available, I would go to the guy who owned it. I said, could I get that room? He said, what are you going to do with all this space? I said, I just want it because I'm building an empire. He would laugh. I would get one room and another room. And owners changed over. And I went to those owners. And I said, could I get the space? I want to be able to build an empire. They looked. They agreed. I started building the infrastructure start putting things together, expanding, and um, building the business. That's why it seems like when you come in, you'd be like, well, what do you do? We do the design, do we do t-shirts? I don't know. But um, now that I see that the, the confusion and the distractions, I'm beginning to put everything in the proper perspective that it's supposed to be so people don't have to assume that it's so many different things. But I love Rolland Avenue. 
I love DC and I love Northeast because they're doing a lot of great things here and things are changing. You have coffee shops, you have yoga businesses across the street, you have right. gyms, you have a lot of things that wasn't here. It's exactly. changing for the better, but it's changing to... to um, it's opening up new customers Yes, for you. and people, yes, customers of all ethnicities because, you know, and that's when I've realized I had to change. I wasn't stuck in my ways believing that, you know, I'm only going to service african-american i want to be able to service everybody 10 years ago you want to service i want to be able to service everybody i want people to be able to walk in my shop and feel comfortable you know comfortable that they don't have to you know walk out when they come in there so i'm still building so what are your future plans for mogul elite and for the business and maybe tell us tell our listeners what uh is here because you do a lot of things well, one of the plans, one of my future plans for Mogul Elite is not to really, the store is the vault. Mogul Elite, Mogul Elite is, a, is, is one is brand. one of the brands. It, one of the brand entities I have here. I have another brand, which is uh, two or three other brands that I'm, that I'm sitting on that I'm going to continue. But Mogul Elite itself, I'm going to take that and go global with Mogul Elite. I have stores right now, and these are major stores, DTLR, you know, Kickspot, they're in New York, they're all over the place. I'm going to start my t-shirt line off of some of those stores. And um, eventually I'm just going to build around that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep the design center and everything so people can be able to come to me and do design consulting and stuff as I grow. And, um, and, and just, just keep moving with it, you know, those are the plans that I have for the actual line, Mobile Elite, just to go global with it, you know? And there's so many other things I'm doing now. Out of Mobile Elite, um, this year would be the year that I actually springboard. I have a, I have a nonprofit organization called Mogul Mentoring, and I plan to spring Mogul Mentoring into place. I have Mogul Media, which is um, uh, 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 a program that I'm putting together under mobile mentoring where I will be interviewing young guys and, and, and ones that are in the inner cities and trying to give them an outlet, you know, and then talking to them about, you know, a lot of things that are going on in the street right now and what's their views, what's their thought, why they feel the way they feel. And, you know, and I, and I plan to get other people involved in, in that part of it. All that is springing from mobile. And maybe the, help with... Uh teaching kids how to do yeah, some of well, the things that you do? Exactly, and plus, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into a realm where I want to be a, a motivational speaker, mm -hmm. so I, I look to motivate as a motivational speaker. And, um, you know, my birthday is next week on the 22nd. I'm going to see Les Brown, Eric Thomas, uh, Willie Jolly, and um, a lot of other extraordinary people at the Warner Theater because I believe if you change your mind, you change your life, you change your thinking, you change your life. Your circumstances could be one way, but if you change your mind, it's like me looking at this phone. It, of course, it could be a little phone, an old phone, but if I look at a phone and I, and I say my phone feels and looks like an iPhone to me, then that's what it'll be. And I feel like that's what I want to get the young brothers. There's a lot of violence in the city right now. Mm -hmm. um, I came out of the inner city. It wasn't always pretty for me. It wasn't always clean for me. But... I, I could have died in those same streets. My mother could have been, you know, uh, getting a phone call about me. But by God's grace and mercy, you know, that is over my life, I've become a beacon of light and I've become a very positive brother 
in the face of adversity. And mm -hmm. that's what I want to teach the young guys to let them understand you can win because you can go to them. Michelle, you can talk to them and they they don't want to just hear a pat on the back. They don't want to hear, hey, everything is going to be OK. Hey, this is the way you got to do it. You sometimes you got to sit down with them and just explain to them and don't hold no punches. But I think the thing that they're lacking most is hope. Well, I think that would be great uh, to be involved with community service. Yes. So it sounds like if customers are looking for T-shirts or clothing, business cards, they should definitely come see you. Absolutely. They should come see me because with the business as well, like um, through the website, I have people in Kansas, I have people in Missouri, when they go on the website, the thing they leave on the website is, I've never seen a website that you that has that that promote clothing like yours but also promote motivation yes I noticed your blog so I uh, tell us you talked about the website so if our listeners want to find out how to get in touch with you or how to get to your website give us your contact information um, the contact to the website is www.mogul-elite22.com um, and they also can, um, if they have some things that they want to share or talk about, they can email me at dhdesigns22 at gmail. And that's dhdesigns22 at gmail. Um, the, How about Facebook and the Twitter? Fa the, the Facebook is simply, um, they can look the word mogul elite clothing, or they can look up on Facebook David Hux. Um, they'll see the Mogul Elite because Mogul Elite Fashion has a fan page as well. And Twitter is at Dave Hux. Great. Um, the Instagram is at Mogul Elite Designs. Matter of fact, the Twitter is at Mogul Elite Designs and the Instagram is at Mogul Elite Designs with an S. Okay, so just to let the customers know, the storefront is called The Vault. Yes. Okay, and you're at 2381 Rhode Island Avenue Northeast in yes. Woodridge. Right? Yes. All right. Exactly. Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. Great meeting you. Back to you in the studio, Kyle. All right. Welcome back to the second half of Rhode Island Avenue Radio for the day. Um, I am here in the studio with Dari and Eliza Yudkoff from Goods Not Guns. Uh, welcome, Dari and Eliza. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for having us. So, Goods Not Guns guns. Uh, this is a new organization that you've started, a new project, um, and it is all about addressing the, the concerns uh, for the new concealed carry permits for guns. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, almost a year ago now, uh, council amended the district's um, gun laws to permit concealed carry into non-residential private property. And so um, what part of the law says is that if the property owner does not want to allow um, permit-holding gun owners to bring in their concealed weapon, the business or the property owner has to post a sign in the window um, that's obvious to customers coming in to passers-by or inform people verbally that firearms are prohibited on the premises. Great. And, and this is for all businesses? All businesses have to allow guns in unless otherwise stated? No. Um, it's for many businesses with a few exemptions. So uh, restaurants that serve alcohol on the premises are exempt. Daycare centers, uh, hospitals, and other buildings that have medical care, D.C. government buildings, um, and places of worship. 
the uh, the exemption, though, for the alcohol, I should mention, it does not include supermarkets that serve tastings. It's only alcohol for open purchase. Right. Um, right. In, the, in the premises. Uh, and and those those businesses have never been allowed to to have weapons in on the premises, correct? Right. So until recently, actually, concealed carry wasn't permitted at all in the district. Um, but there was a federal court ruling that ordered our council, um, D.C. council, to amend the law to permit what's called concealed carry. And concealed carry means um, you're, you're allowed to carry um, a cer- certain kinds of permitted guns um, as long as they're concealed on your person or now in your car. Mm. So this is all pretty new for the district, actually. Right. And it's a new so it's a new concern for business owners as well. Right, right. So uh, you obviously are, are both very passionate about this. And, you know, for those of you that are interested, uh, Daria and Elisa are sisters. So um, this is a, a family effort on this. Uh, what – it sounds like it really got to y'all that that this was being allowed. So there there has to be some history that, that prompted you to, to create this this project. Yeah, we, um, we, we've both been concerned with gun control and gun safety issues nationally um, for a number of years, but we also both are relatively new mothers to um, young children, and we have both committed to raising families in the district. And in the last few years, there has been, um, especially this past year, but there's been rise in gun violence. And we, um, when we heard about the new concealed carry law that was being proposed and the court case that... Um, preceded the law, we were we're actually both attorneys. I should state that too. So uh-huh. we're very we're very interested in the law and how it works in D.C. Especially because, as you know, D.C. is not a state, and we are subject to many federal rulings. So we were following the law closely. We were following what was going on in Congress. Um, Eleanor Holmes Norton has been an amazing champion of gun safety and really looking out for the district. But you know, she can only do so much. And so when this new law was being debated, we actually went to council hearings and listened to what was going on and what um, council members felt about having to allow concealed permits in the district. And we were um, hardened and really excited about the pushback. D.C. Council said, we don't want guns in the district. D.C. had some of the strongest gun control laws in the country, and they were essentially forced to allow the concealed um, carry permit law to go into effect. And so when council wrote the law, they wrote it very strongly, um, and they, they made the burden on getting a permit pretty strict and pretty rigorous, but they were forced to allow more guns to enter the district. And so one thing that they came up with was allowing private business owners to say, we don't want guns on our property. Um, and MPD, the, the police department, came up with very strict regulations for how the signs had to be made. And so that got us talking, and I think just one night over dinner, we were talking about the new law, and whether businesses would actually post a sign. And we said, you know what? Let's make the sign. Let's make this a movement. Let's make this something that people really care about and can get behind. So we thought about it a lot. We hired a designer, and we came up with a logo, a, a Goods Not Gun logo that um, incorporates the D.C. flag. And for those of you who are watching this on video, um, I am holding up our sign right now, but you can also see a nice picture of it on our website. Yeah. And for those of us... For those of the listeners that are not watching the video, they're just listening. Uh, that's about what is that? About eight by twelve. Eight. The the roughly. this sign is uh, roughly eight by thirteen. Eight by thirteen. The the regulation requires an eight by ten sign um, with thirty six point font. Which when we went back and forth with the designer, it was 
this eight is by what, thirteen worked better. Yeah, for the than eight design. by ten. All right. So so the sign meets all of the legal guidelines. Correct. And you know it's not a bad looking sign at all. It's this great sign, uh, and that's a static window cling, so a business can put it on their front window or their glass door mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Yep. Yeah, it's not sticky. It's not going to leave a mess on your window. You can um, hang it and rehang it as many times as you want. They've been, I've had one on my uh, front window now for about a year. It still looks great. Um, and also, one thing I'd like to uh, describe for our listeners is our sign incorporates the DC flag. Nice. So nice. it's it's black. It's the sign has got um, black, red, and white. It's hip. I think it's attractive, um, and I think it's evocative of DC pride. Um, DC support for DC autonomy, and then it says in black letters, firearms prohibited, the language that's required by the regulations. Great, great. Now, for instance, on Rhode Island Avenue Main Street, where we have businesses like um, hair salons or nail salons, mm-hmm. uh, barber shops, uh, grocery stores, um, uh, we've got we do, we have restaurants that, that do serve alcohol, but we also have restaurants that don't. Uh, we've got some daycare centers. Uh, are these the type of businesses that you're really encouraging to to utilize this for? So, oh, yeah. oh do you want to go ahead? Uh, uh, sisters, we, they're trying sisters. to decide who's going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I just want everyone to guess who's older. <laughs> Can you tell by my voice that I'm the older one? So um, we would encourage every business, every property, not just businesses, all non-residential property owners to post a sign. Um, even the ones that are exempt. Daycare centers, exempt from posting the sign, which means that they're not just exempt from posting a sign. You can never bring, I want to be clear, the law says you can never bring a concealed carry weapon into a daycare center or a restaurant that has a liquor license and is serving alcohol for consumption. One thing that's been so exciting are the places that are exempt and are still posting our sign, like Busboys and Poets, um, which has been an amazing supporter, and it's it's really exciting because they've put up a sign in all of their locations, even the Maryland locations. Um, Great. And we're so grateful to them. Bloom Bars, which is a nonprofit in Columbia Heights, a great arts-based nonprofit, has put up a sign as well. Um, so that's something that we're, we really appreciate is there's a lot of places that want to join, want to make a statement, even if they're not legally required to put up a sign. Um, and then we had... There's another a great pizza place in Mount Pleasant called Radius. They also are exempt because they have a liquor license, but the owner told us, I don't want people getting confused. I don't want them thinking maybe they can bring their concealed carry weapon into uh, my restaurant because I'm next to a whole bunch of other places where they could bring it in. Right. And, yes, of, of, of course, barbershops, nail salons, coffee shops, all dry of those Dry cleaners, places, all Dry cleaner, places. definitely. Yep. Um, they all, none of those places are um, exempt. So we, we would encourage every business to put up a sign. And I, can I, I just want to add something to that. We, we've had amazing support from Eleanor Holmes Norton and her office. And Great. we had the privilege of meeting with her. Um, we sat down with her for a while and we really went over the business and our goals. And one story she told us that has really stuck with us and really guided us was the, the history of the taxation without representation license plates. And that was a woman similar to us who had this idea and felt very strongly that D.C. should have a voice and doesn't and came up with this logo. And 
the, you know, the story sort of lends itself, but the next thing she knew it was on every license plate in the district. And the saying became very ubiquitous with the district and something that people in the district rally around and identify with. So when we encourage stores who are exempt or even private property owners, anyone, to put up the sign, the point is goods, not guns. Like we want to create cultural change um, within the city or within the country, but starting here in the district that says no more guns. Let's you know, leave our guns at home. Yeah, and, and incredibly inspiring. Uh, so uh, these obviously are not free because it costs money to to create them mm-hmm. and produce them. So uh, how much are you how much are you looking for for each one of those window clings? Uh, right now we sell them for thirty dollars a piece um, on our website. All right, mm-hmm. and um, and that's for the. I know when when we talked earlier, you said it was not only the cost of of producing those and installing those, but uh, you also mentioned uh, parts of the proceeds going towards victims of gun violence. Right. So we've been working. If anyone has any ideas, this is a great place to put it out. We've been working on trying to find a nonprofit partner um, that we could work with, where we could um, raise money, raise some money on behalf of the nonprofit, um, and also that helped to get more outreach in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that we've been doing is just spending a lot of time trying to educate business owners about the new gun control laws and going to our local ANC meetings, um, appearing on, you know, on radio, great radio shows like this, reaching out to the different main streets. Um, And so the more, you know, we're trying, we have to just, we're trying to um, pay for the cost of the side so we can keep doing the education component. Right. And we would be very happy to find a nonprofit that wanted to partner with us so we could be raising money for them. So if you're out there and you have an organization that you think would be a good fit, please let us know. All right. So um, if folks want to find out more about this mm-hmm. project, uh, where, can they, where can they do that? You can visit our website at goodsnotguns. G-O-O-D-S-N-O-T-G-U-N-S dot com. You can uh, visit us on Facebook. We also have a Facebook page under Goods Not Guns. And we have a Twitter account also under Goods Not Guns. Fantastic. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, we had Fall Fest this last Saturday, so I hope everybody stopped by to visit Daria and Eliza. Um, they had a booth out at Fall Fest. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing more of their signs up and down Rhode Island Avenue Main Street. Um, this is something that, uh, you know, Ward 5 has, has certainly experienced gun violence over the summer. And um, we we want to make sure that everybody feels completely safe uh, in Rhode Island Avenue Main Street businesses. So this is something we're going to really be encouraging for our businesses here on Rhode Island Avenue Main Street. Really glad that you guys uh, have set up this program. And Kyle, we want to thank you, too, because you've been one of our earliest and our staunchest supporters, um, I came and presented at a Rhode Island Main Avenue Main Street Business Bites meeting, and it was great to meet all of so many business owner, local business owners. And really, you were the first one. You you were kind of a visionary in the sense of saying, "Let's Aww, get." Shucks. <laughs> it, really, you gave us the idea that you said, "Let's get the whole." You know, all of the Rhode Island Avenue businesses. Let's get them the signs, which got us thinking about. Um, really got us started to think about, oh, instead of just targeting store by store, to really try to target local business or um, communities. Right. And um, I, I just want to thank you again because it's just been wonderful. And now you're having us here on the show, and we're 
we're really so appreciative for all the work that you're doing. So thank uh, you. It's it's my pleasure. This is a, a great project, and um, I'm really happy to share it with with our business owners on our corridor, and um, and uh, other Main Street programs. If you're listening, this is a, a great a great project for you too, uh, for your business owners. So uh, take a look at goodsnotguns.com, and uh, and give uh, Dari and Eliza a shout at uh, Facebook or Twitter, and uh, Thank you both for being here today, and good luck with everything. Thank you. All right. All right. Um, Once again, thank you for listening in. Uh, Another wrap-up shout-out to our sponsors, Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Department of Small Local Business Development, and the Department of Housing and Community Development. I will look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.